It's time once again to belly up to the microphone and perform another outstanding episode of the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk all things transportation, anything that gets you from over here to over there. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, and with me again today, after a very successful episode last week, is the one, the only Denver 7 News anchor, the pride of Highlands Ranch, Nicole Brady. Thank you. I, I should be named... Miss Highlands Ranch. Mrs., I guess. Mrs., yes, exactly. Mrs. Highlands Ranch. In case anyone was wondering out there. If you would like to give (laughs) us a comment, a complaint, or just chat, uh, here's the way to do it. 303-832-0217. 303-832-0217. That's the phone number. Uh, You can also go to drivingyoucrazypodcast at Gmail. You can write us an email if you like to. Um, Or you can just, uh, uh, you know... Drop off a note here at the TV station at 123 East Spear Boulevard in yeah, Denver, Colorado. Yeah, sure. We, we open those envelopes. Sure, we do. Yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> if there's white powder in them. No, no return address. Yeah. If you just want to uh, scream or just ramble about nothing, we'll take those phone calls as well. <laughs> we uh, love those. How, yeah. uh, yes, they, they work great. Um, we have not received a voicemail in a little bit, so this is your chance to be on the program. Uh, and we want to hear from you, the loyal listener. And there are many out there, so we would we would love to. And frankly, I'm a little surprised we have not received a crank phone call yet. Yeah. Why haven't we have had, had any crank calls? Come on, people. It should be uh, well. It it should be maybe a a rite of passage to do a crank phone call to a podcast, shouldn't it? it? Yes. Crank phone calls. Do people still do them? <laughs> Not it, it like just Bart Simpson like style. like in the old days when you knew no one had a caller ID on the yeah, other end. Right. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that's a lost art. Yeah. Well, maybe you can do that uh, for us for next week if Joseph, you know, decides to come back. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk about parking. Coming up is Dan Rorty. He is the president and COO of Arrive. Arrive describes itself as the leading provider of solutions for the last mile of mobility. They say they power the apps ParkWiz and Best Parking, uh, allowing people to find and book parking spots. Uh, It should be an interesting conversation uh, because there is really an assault going on in in some cities for parking. Uh, And I'm going to ask Dan this because there are cities like New York City who are charging congestion prices to go into town. But if you really want to stop people from driving into a town, eliminate the parking or charge outrageous amounts of money for it. If you had, let's say, a charging fee of $100 to, 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 be, to park a day in a downtown area, mm-hmm. are you going to park there? No way. For $500 a week? No. No, you'll so, find another way to get there. You'll exactly. You'll take the light rail, yeah. So I think that's going to be the next assault. Now I'll ask Dan Very about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, I, I like to make sure that whenever we have a success for me in an interview, is one having a good guest and a good conversation, but also when the uh, guest says, "Great question." Ah, oh, I love that. Yes. I love the great question. That always makes you know me. You know what happy. I love? I love great question, Nicole. When they oh, throw in yeah, my name, <laughs> and I realize they they actually know my name too and have been listening. Yes. I well, love that, that will be your goal then today yes, okay. for the interview <laughs> is to get a great question, Nicole. All right. And then we will be celebrating later. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that interview. All right. Last week we talked to ABC's Alex Stone about some new technology coming into transportation after uh, his visit to CES. There were some other cool things that happened at CES. It was, it was really a great show, and I will get there one day. One day. Maybe we should go as like a tag think, team podcast thing. Yeah, can we, next Can we year, talk to the management we'll here? We'll do it. We can do live shows, live Facebook shows. We can do this show. I think we could sell that. Because we can walk around the floor of that thing and just do interviews with people, just bing, 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 and just post. That would be great. Yeah, I'm Wouldn't surprised it? we haven't been sending a reporter there. Yeah. It's a great, great opportunity for live shots and just cool gadgets. In other transportation <laughs> technology news... Something that should have happened earlier and should happen in every city in the world. The city of Ottawa says they're going to start sharing its traffic data on things like real-time crashes and construction updates with their Waze traffic app. So commuters have real-time updates from the city of Ottawa to help them get around. It's, it's, why not? Yeah. Why not have the city actually provide you with some of that information that they're gathering as well? Do usually do the cities have the best information? I mean, does the city of Denver? No. Okay, no. That's what I want. Not at yes. all. Okay. Not even close. 
I always have the best information. Well, yes. And most up-to-date information. If you information. could go straight to our Waze app, yes, then your you would traffic actually... reports, we would actually get some use out of them. Exactly. Yes. But not from the city mm, or from okay. the state. But it would actually, I think, help in some instances. And maybe they're a little bit better there in Ottawa. Maybe. Or Toronto maybe. and yeah. or, or Vancouver, any of the Canadian cities that we love so much. Yes. I could name a few more. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, there are other cities like New York City and uh, that do share traffic data with the Waze already, but uh. I don't know how updated and quickly they do that. Uh, but they think that it's going to be a good situation for the people who have to get around the cities, and that way they also are, are trying to get you to stop fiddling with your phone. Mm-hmm. That way you're not reporting on a crash or a police officer location or a whatever while you're driving, and you can let the city handle that sort of information. Yeah, that's that's, that's smart. I always uh, wonder which one I'm getting better information from, my, my regular phone map or Waze. I use, well, sometimes if, I turn both on. If you use Google, they're, they're yeah. owned by now. It Waze is, is okay, owned yes. by Google now, and so it used to be its own company out of, based out of Israel. Uh, right. But Google bought them, mm-hmm. and now they're sharing the data, of course. But yeah, I don't think you can manipulate your phone anyway in Canada. I think it's against the law up there. I think they have the cell phone ban. Okay. Um, and they're trying that again here in yep, Denver, uh, in Colorado, where the they have yep. a bill in the state legislature to ban all uses of your cell phone, mm-hmm. except for emergency calling. I, it should be done, I think. Eventually it will be. Yeah. I I don't think there's any... I. I can't imagine why anyone would say that was okay to do, even though we all do it sometimes, just like we all speed and understand there are reasons for having a speeding limit. But the fine, as I was reading, I think it was, for the first offense, $100. Really? Yeah. That doesn't deter anybody. If it was $10,000, that would deter people. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. Or even $1,000 would deter people, but not $100. It no, needs to be bigger. No, it needs to be higher right. than that. Because at 100, you're willing to gamble. Oh, yeah. That you won't get caught. And in that <laughs> bill I was reading, it said that an officer has to see, see you yeah. do it. And then also has to see you send a text message because there's an additional fee uh, penalty for sending a text message uh, separate than just using your phone to and, scroll on your Facebook fa- right, feed. Right, okay. Right? Or looking at a map, for example. Or, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anything like that. Uh, but an officer actually has to see you do it. So it doesn't mean that people are going to stop doing it because they're yeah. going to be just cruising down the interstate. And a- as I see now, they're full on reading their Facebook page or their Instagram pictures and mm-hmm. and just or, or they're or watching their TikTok and boom, off they go. Yeah, because they're addicted to the TikTok. I know. I know. It's hard to get off. Well, I'm not on the TikTok. Oh, you're on, not on the others. though. OK. Yeah. The, the kids, all the kids are on the TikTok. <laughs> I uh, when we first had this come to New Mexico and Albuquerque, where I was before, they had to see you violate another traffic law. And then they would add sort of an offense if you were texting and driving as well. So if you were swerving, they might pull you over or speeding, perhaps, or so- doing something that showed you your 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 um, phone was impacting your driving. Uh. Then they could... Say, oh, we see you've got your phone there, too, and, and now we're going to add that on. But no one was really ever getting penalized for just being seen with their phone in their hand. Yeah, and I think the way the police would have to at least enforce it, they would stand, and I've seen this uh, either here or, or in other places, they stand on the median hmm. of the roadway and oh, interesting. where those protected medians, and they'll just stare at you as you're at a stoplight, and as you're scrolling on your phone or using your phone, then they just call ahead to their buddy down, and they say, okay. all right, it's the person in the gray Impala. Yeah, that's a good idea. I feel like I should have been caught a few times on the way to work in the morning, because I will have my phone there the, and, you know, check it at stoplights a lot, and... Um, but the light is on, and it's dark, and I wonder, can they... Oh, right. And I've yeah. passed some cops and thought, do they see this light on in my car? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how visible that actually is. But, but I do the same I'm thing. I'm like, with, you guys should be stopping me. I do the same thing <laughs> with my phone that's in the in the holder right there on the windshield. Yeah, But I'm watching true. TV oh, as I'm right, driving. right, right. Yeah. But I'm watching that's news. Another, and that's another interesting yeah. one, too. A lot of people, my husband uses the holders a lot yeah. to keep... Uh, and are you know are those a distraction i guess if it's not in your hand and you're not touching it it's not as distracting like that's what the uber and the lyft drivers use right, for their they phone that, yeah. when they're, they're driving you around you need and, the map, and yeah, yeah so that's they're just following those directions it's, 
And uh, I'm would, sure it's not as distracting. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't. Um, but I and I I listen more than I'm right. actually watching as I'm driving, not staring. And I'm no, not. No, I, I know. It's not like I'm watching Stranger Things or anything. I, I'm <sighs> I'm usually listening to a news broadcast of right, some sort. Right. Right. From some other hitherlands on the east coast because they're up yeah no i do that too well i listen to podcasts of course of course Mm -hmm. of course me too uh the fight against uh pollution and emissions has encouraged a group of researchers from switzerland to develop an interesting method to reduce truck exhaust now they say they have a way of capturing co2 directly in the truck's exhaust system and then liquefying it so they say that this liquid is then pumped yep. and stored into a box on the roof of the vehicle. Right, we saw that story, yeah. <laughs> the liquid is then delivered to a service station where it then turned in, they say, to conventional fuel using renewable energy. So that's pretty interesting. It is. These people in Switzerland are And the tank pretty smart. is pretty big. Yes. It wouldn't work on a normal size vehicle. No, it wouldn't. It's just a truck. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's because of their diesel exhaust right. that they can use it because they have to use those flue gases in that exhaust pipe because they cool it down. Uh, they take the water out from the gas. Uh, the CO two is then isolated from the other gases, the nitrogen and the oxygen, and they use some kind of temperature absorption system, which then. Uh, can absorb the CO2, and they use these turbo compressors to heat it up and uh, it, and turn it into liquid. I, You know, it's just way above my brainwave there, <laughs> these guys. Oh, yeah. They're going, oh, yeah, we're going to turn that uh, gas into a liquid by using these super tur- turbo heated temperature thingamabobbies. No, I am constantly astounded by what they can do. So yeah. if they can turn, you know, sewer water into something Bill Gates will drink right there, that's... <laughs> that, they've done it. They have done they've that. They've done that, so... Out in California. There you go. Now, they say that the system could theoretically work with all truck trucks and buses and even boats and with any type of fuel, not just diesel fuel, but with gasoline as well. So maybe the big ships could use this as well. Hmm. Or maybe on, on your yacht. My... <laughs> What would I name my yacht to think of a good one here? <laughs> Bodie McBoatface. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> so I, I have a dash cam. Uh, I love the dash cam. I've caught you on the dash cam uh, before. Doing, you always have to remind me. Yes. Doing bad things. I have not posted all of those bad things. You're just saving I, them just for when them. they'll be useful someday. Exactly. <laughs> all kinds of things happen in front of me all the time. Um and I, I recommend that every driver should put a dash cam in their car. It's a great idea, yeah. It is. There are so many instances where you need that dash cam, and you could use that video to save yourself a lot of headache. Well, Tesla has a built-in dash cam in their cars, hmm. and it actually helped out one of their drivers. He is crediting that built-in dash cam for helping him argue against a traffic ticket that he received from a policeman who accused him of not using his turn signal at a turn. Mm -hmm. So the driver was in Indiana. He was actually following a truck. He was in a left turn lane at a stoplight, and he was turning left. And after he completed the turn, there was an officer that was standing outside of his car, and he was looking for people not using their turn signal, which... Seriously? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have any other other police work you can be doing? that's a safe town, yeah. Come on. (laughs) Go find a real criminal. Anyway, so this guy makes this left. And after he turned, the officer promptly walked over into the middle of the street and, and stopped him and said, pull over. I'm, I'm going to give you a ticket for uh, uh, for not using your blinker. Well, and he was given a ticket. The ticket for this is $171. And maybe that's why the police officer wow. is out there giving, uh, the mayor has requested that we're going to give more left turn, uh, no signal tickets we need a little money here yeah. in the indiana whatever the city is uh so anyway the guy took the ticket he did the right thing and this is the, this is what i would suggest to anybody mm. who has a, a, a run in with the law enforcement uh just take the ticket and then fight it in court because you're not going to get anywhere with the policeman you probably will escalate it into something even worse mm. so just just take it and then deal with it in court yeah. so that's what he did he took the video and the video clearly shows the reflection of his turn signal that was on in the tailgate of the Chevy pickup directly ahead ah, of his car. Nice. So he goes to court. 
He brings the video. He challenged the officer's account by presenting his dash cam footage in his court appearance. And he pointed out that the reflection of his vehicle blinker, you could see it right there in the, in the truck up ahead of him. And thanks to that video, the judge came to the conclusion that the case must be dismissed. Out goes the $171 fine. Wow. Was the officer there? Do you know? I do not know. Oh, I'm just curious if... Uh... <laughs> and this guy should have been paid for his time and inconvenience of going to court. He should have then sued the officer or maybe, the, I don't know, I guess the officer for, for wrongly accusing him and charged him $171. That might just take a lot more time and yeah. effort. But that is fascinating. Yes. So what I... I, I wonder what that officer would have said in, yeah. <laughs> in response to that. Because he uh, clearly didn't see it. He but, just... yeah, that's that's great. I wonder if more cars will start being com- uh, coming equipped Oh, yeah, no, you, there, there are, yeah. There are uh, YouTube videos and uh, Reddit channels all dedicated to people who have dash cams yeah. and post their dash cam videos. Um, we know all the police cars have dash cams. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past, Tesla has... Uh, used their dash cam videos, Tesla owners, for resolving questions of hit and run mm-hmm. accountability, um, instances of vandalism where people try to scam, and it really came in in uh, in need in Russia and other city or other uh, uh, countries where insurance fraud is rampant. Mm-hmm. And people would just jump in front of your car oh, yeah. <laughs> or walk up to your car and then jump on the hood and then fall over and say, you ran over me, and then sue them and get paid by the insurance companies when it never happened. So then people started putting in these dash cams. Yeah, and I feel like approve, those were and, the first cameras we yeah. used to see were all out of Russia. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because there was insurance fraud wow. was rampant. And so then the, the driver would go up to the person who just knocked himself out and, and said, look, I have a dash cam right here, and I just saw you do the whole thing. And then they would get up and walk away. Jeez. Yeah. That's, I, you know, I've worried about people doing that to me, though, before. Yeah, well, you can get a uh, really night, good... like, when, when we yeah. drive in in the early morning, yeah. Uh, well, and we had a producer who uh, had a homeless person pretty much stumble out in front of her. Yeah. And I... uh, she hit him. Oh, and I don't know if it him. was an wow. un- on-purpose thing where he was trying to jump in front of her or car, sort of or he was it, just yeah. a little out, out of it, it yeah. and then he just stumbles out in the street and trips or whatever, and then she hits him. He he ended up being okay. Uh, I don't think she was going that fast. <sighs> wow. But she doesn't work here anymore, not because of not that because instance, incident, but... Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm that's scary. I've definitely seen people out there in the middle of the street for not looking like they're trying to get hit, but they, they just don't, they're not, yes. not at all aware and since you don't own a Tesla, no, at least I not yet. No, uh, working toward it. Yes, because <laughs> you can hook it up to your yacht. Uh, you can get a really good one for just a hundred bucks. They really aren't that expensive, um, and they're and they're really unobtrusive. They're really you don't because mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately I have my cord hanging down from the thing into the into the plug. But I was I was thinking for my wife's car, and I have to get some more cord. But but putting it up into the fabric of the car into the into the weavings. Okay. So it's out, the cord is out of sight, and then I pow, see. you just put yeah. the thing on the windshield, and boom, off you're ready to go. And uh, how do you activate it? Or- so it just turns on with the car. Okay, it does. It turns okay. on automatically. And then the video loops over and over, so it records over the last, ah. the, the oldest video. So oh, I have a 128 gig card, and for my normal driving, it holds about a month of video. Oh, wow. And it just records over the old stuff. And I've used it. So you it. just dub off if you find something right. you want to save. So if yeah. something happened to me going home, I, I would even wait and, and, and till the next day and then bring it in here and then pop it into the computer mm-hmm. and then do my editing. And I've used it a bunch for some of my driving you crazy stories right. that I do on TV where there's an intersection, a traffic light, whatever, and I'll go out and time these traffic lights or I'll show an intersection. And one of the latest ones was over here at 6th and Sheridan. It was a channelized right. That's what they call it. It's supposed to be a continuous right turn, where let's say you're coming up, usually they're off like a highway uh, onto a, a side road, and you have a, a right turn, and there's sometimes a little triangular median right, right. area there, and you're making the right. Well, you're supposed to be able to go right and continue to keep going and then merge over. Right. Well, there's so many people that just stop yes. right there. It's not a stop. It's a continuous lane. You have yes. your own lane to keep going and then merge with traffic as it allows. 
Now, I understand that people don't want to merge because they're jerks, well, but that's well, the way it's supposed to work. Well, anybody, somebody yeah, was talking to me about some that. some people are waiting for that perfect time to get all the way over to the left side, oh. but others might not know that it's a continuous That's right, why we maybe... need driving tests every five years. Uh, yeah. Okay. How and not help? just going in there and going, what, you, uh, your eyes work and you see the letters? No, no we don't need, need that. We need to know, yes. Uh, signals and signs and medians mean and all of that. Okay. And maybe the, the quintessential question should be the first one on there is, is, should you be in the left lane if you're passing? The answer correctly is no. You should not be. Everybody should know that. Should you be in the left lane? Unless you're passing. Oh, unless you're passing. Okay, I thought you said if you want to pass. So, no, no, I did not okay. say that. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm doing it right then. You sure. are doing it okay. right. I'll follow Just you and see you with right. my dash yeah. cam and see. <laughs> uh, by the way, this could be the end of the go fast as you want to Autobahn in Germany. Did you hear? I, I, I was reading a story about this. I haven't heard. No, is that the? It's it's over. I got to drive on it once. You did. Yeah, I did. How yeah. fast did you go? Oh, I, you know, it's scary when you're doing the kilometers and don't real. You know, it looks even faster. But um, it was. Uh, I think we got it to the equivalent of about a hundred miles an hour. Not not crazy. I've gone faster than that. Okay, uh, on, on here, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, no, we weren't. I we I mean, trying uh, to be irresponsible. But again, <laughs> cop didn't see it. I didn't do it. Yeah. Well, no, but we were okay doing it. You know, oh, yeah, we were sure. going 100, and it was, like, perfectly fine. So, Well, it wouldn't be now okay. because the German government is looking to introduce an 80-mile-an-hour speed limit on mm. the Autobahn. Uh, there's a new leader of the Social Democratic Party, and they've proposed settling a na- or setting a nationwide speed limit in Germany mm. of 80 miles an hour, and they say they all want to do it for... Uh, the environment, to reduce oh, admis- e- emissions. Okay. So they say the speed limit on the motorways would be good for protecting the climate by lowering it, improving safety, and calming the nerves of drivers. Wouldn't it? Hmm. It's actually more calming for me to go 170. <laughs> Not really, but uh, for those reasons, they are going to be discussing lowering the speed limit on all German highways, including the Autobahn, to 80 miles an hour. Now, they also think it would, uh, it would really reduce the amount of carbon dioxide by 2 million tons each year. Okay, I don't know where they come up with these figures. And it would bring Germany in line with the rest of Europe, where they have lower speed limits. In a recent survey, 53% of Germans are behind this proposal. Hmm. Which is surprising to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder how many people go ridiculously high speeds anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know. if It might be that I would normally not go above about 75, even if I did have the option of going as fast as I wanted to. So if most people are doing that, I'm not sure they would mind. Uh, it was about, uh, what? 10 or 15 years ago that the German government rejected a similar idea. Uh, and the, the Autobahn was actually built in the early 1900s. Uh, wow. And it was used for their world wars to, to ah, move troops. Mm-hmm. That's the original idea of our interstate system right. is to be able to move troops around the country. Mm-hmm. And then the government just allowed us to use them. But it was really designed, and it still is, to, for troop transport mm-hmm. around the United States. Um, but back then, they had a national speed limit of 37 miles an hour because they only wow. had cars that really could go, go that, that yeah. fast, you know? Um, so there's no doubt uh, that this will change the thinking about going to Germany and renting a car and getting a Ferrari and off yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was a, a fun idea to, to just try. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably nice for people to drive on it and not worry they're going to get stopped or... But... You know, who needs to go that fast? Where are you going? Well, it reminds me of the cannonball run. You know the cannonball oh, yes, run? That, uh, I mean, not the, the movie with Dom mo- DeLuise. Oh, no, I'm thinking and, of the movie, yeah. Yeah, with Burt Reynolds. Okay, and, yeah. And Sally Fields. Was Sally Fields in that one? No, he was. she was. Oh, I think She's she was. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, Smokey yeah. and the Bandit. Uh, anywho, uh, but those those folks, as I'm, as I'm driving in at, 
you know, to work in the morning. I'm going 70, 75. Uh-huh. It, there's a speed limit of 75 along part of my drive. Well, here comes some yahoos. Yeah. I mean, going I at them. least 100 miles an hour. Uh, and I'm just thinking, that's probably what the cannonball people are doing. And unsuspecting drivers in Montana or or wherever, seeing these drivers going 150 as fast as they can down these highways to do a cannonball run. I guess, yeah, maybe maybe that's what they're doing here. <laughs> I don't know. I hate those people, though. You hate them. Yeah, coming up behind you, swerving lanes. I Seriously. We all are sharing the road. What? It, what? You're smiling. <laughs> do you think it's okay to drive I, like I, that? I, I drive just, as fast I just get as you out, want? I get out of the way and let them do their own thing. And if they I crash, so. they crash. No, I, I don't like those people. I, uh, um, I'm, I'm not a fast driver. I don't speed. I might have some other. Yes. No, you do. You go pretty I, quickly. Yeah. Do I? Oh, yes. I don't know. I feel and like you're totally I'm distracted. The, I'm distracted. You're distracted. No, I'm not speeding usually. All right. What time are you leaving today? I'm going to follow you in the dash cam, and I'm going to figure this out. I don't out. think I speed that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, because I'm aware of it in the morning that that I, if you know, if I'm the only one out there, well, and sure. a cop passes me. Well, and they're also thinking that right off the bat that you're drunk. Right. If if three in the morning. So I'm, uh, you know, worried about being that person that gets caught. I, the rest of the time, I guess you're kind of going with the flow of traffic. But, well, we'll see. We'll Maybe see. We'll, yeah, I, you'll have to follow me. Yeah, okay. Times. Yeah, okay. That, that'll be good. I'll post that video I won't next. be policing myself. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to follow me. There's no doubt that the cost of parking has increased over the years, especially recently in large cities. The company Arrive has put out a new study comparing parking prices between cities across the United States. Arrive describes itself as the leading provider of solutions for the last mile of mobility. They power the app's ParkWiz and Best Parking, allowing people to find and book convenient economical parking. To talk more about the cost of parking in major cities around the country and how parking has changed and I think will change in the coming years, I've invited Dan Rorty to the president and COO of Arrive to be here on the show. Dan, thanks for joining us here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. So in a bit, I want to talk about the assault on parking in large cities. But first, let's talk about current parking while it lasts in these cities and how much it costs. I'll ask you about what cities have some of the most and least expensive parking in just a minute. But when you looked at the cost of parking, were you looking at just street parking, what the cities charge, or were you looking at what it costs in private lots or both? We were looking at both in the study we just released, yeah. And so is this parking uh, for day, night, weekends? In the report, we actually cut it out a couple different ways. I mean, we tried to look at it in the way people think about their lives. So, you, you know, you, nobody goes to park for parking's sake. That's not why you go out in your car. You go because you're going to work or you're going on a date night or you're going to see a concert or a show or something like that. And so in, in this analysis, we, we tried to cut it uh, in terms of the way people usually do stuff. So what would it cost for, you know, a few hours to park in a downtown area if you were going out on a date night uh, to a restaurant? Or what would it cost if you were to try to drive to work every day and park near, you know, a major city center uh, near an office building. Yeah. And obviously this is more for urban areas that are densely packed, not the suburban areas around a a metropolitan area. Yeah, of course. We were focused on on kind of the center of, of, of the top cities in the United States. So what are some of the most expensive cities to park in? It, it, it would be a lot of things that you would expect. So New York and San Francisco are places that uh, prices tend to be a lot higher. Uh, New York is, 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 of course, the highest. Um, uh, but, but surprisingly, actually, we found that, found that Denver wasn't that cheap uh, either. So some of, the, some of the lowest cost cities are places like Houston and Detroit. Um, and, and it kind of makes sense. In, in cities like Houston, there's just a lot of land. Uh, there's, there's, you know, the Houston, the downtown core is pretty spread out places like Detroit. There's a lot of surface lots and a lot of available kind of empty land. And there's not a lot of people that want to go into downtown Detroit, at least for right now, while they're trying to rebuild the city. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful. I'm a Detroiter. So I, so I, I I would say uh, that that's changed a lot, but, but at the same time there, there is still a lot of uh, vacant land. So it makes for easier parking. I am too. I I was, I I was born in Royal Oak. So uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm 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 a Michigander as well. 
There you I go. was shocked by Denver's being some of the higher prices on a for a, for a night out, a date night out, a Saturday night, uh, being as high, uh, higher on your list than New York and and San Francisco, for example, as you said. I guess I don't get out enough. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> were there any other surprises to you? Um, no, Denver stood out in, in in our supposition, as we think, because this parking is mixed in with so many events going on in downtown Denver. You've got obviously. The, the Rockies and all the sports stadiums and everything else that goes on down there. So I think when you start to mix in the parking prices, uh, you know, a, a Saturday night might be much higher because there's a game going on or something like that. Yeah, good point. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of development going on in downtown Denver as well. So uh, a lot of what, what used to be a vacant parking lot is now suddenly a huge building. Uh, and those those building owners need to need to raise prices to pay off their land. Now, your study found a pretty predictable fact that when parking is less expensive, people are going to park for longer than when parking is costing more as well. Yep, that that is true. So I think even the typical workday, what was interesting is we found, you know, in in a lot of cities that the average hours parked on a typical workday were actually lower than eight hours. So you're thinking, okay, are people are people, you know, not working as hard or long as they used to? I think that's really a reflection, though, of, of today's work culture where a lot of people are working from home or working from home part of the day to avoid commutes uh, or they're busy running around cities to go to meetings. So I think it's, you know, in, in one respect, it was a little surprising that the average uh, time parked was less than a typical workday. But on, on the flip side, knowing that there's lots of people in there that are that are driving in and out of cities for meetings and those those people are mixed in the data as well. We're speaking with Dan Rorty, the president and COO of Arrive, about parking and parking prices. Did you find a difference in how the how how parking is is priced via the surface lots and how cities are charging for parking and and how that's changed over the last few years? Yeah, it, it's uh, typically I think as most consumers think about uh, street parking and parking in the, at the meter, they typically think it's it's cheaper. Which you know, if you're only parking for an hour, that very well may very well may, uh, be the case. Um, it's those longer durations where street parking can add up. So, for example, in downtown Chicago, the going rate at the at a street uh, at a metered space is four dollars an hour. So, if you're going to park for four or five hours, uh, oftentimes you'd be way better off economically parking in a, hmm. uh, in, a in a private lot. Um, and then, you know, we, we see that pattern a lot in cities. Most most cities are getting a lot smarter about pricing their curb space because, as you referenced, uh, cities are trying to reclaim curbs for, for bike lanes and transit routes and things like that uh, as they try to reduce congestion. Uh, and one one tactic that they've had is to, is to increase prices. And so we've seen uh, several cities really take a hard look at uh, their street and curb pricing. Well, I think that's what Jason wants to get into, too, with uh, yeah. the, the, the war on parking, the assault on parking, as he calls it. Uh, I, I mean, have you have you observed any trends where people don't park as much? I, I don't know how how easy that would be to measure, but uh, any change in people's behavior because of the prices? I, I think industry wide, I think you will see that uh, the typical parking lot is seeing less kind of flow through mm. um, through their lot. There's a lot of different industry studies, so I, you know, it really doesn't make sense to quote um, uh, them right now. But um, definitely, parking operators have seen that the average lots, uh, the the things are going down because yeah, well, a lot more people are choose, choosing to do Ubers or sure. Lyfts or uh, take public transit. Um, and it's not just a function of pricing; it's 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 congestion. It's it's all the other things that that uh, people enjoy. So, for us uh, at Arrive, we spend a lot of our time thinking: How do we make the act of parking, not only the price of parking, but the act of parking, more convenient? So we're investing a lot in lots of technologies to make it more seamless, make it faster and easier, so that if you are choosing to go out for a night or something like that, um, that parking is more attractive mm-hmm. uh, and works better for people. So large cities like London, now New York City. They're looking for ways to control congestion, as you just mentioned, with uh, an additional charge for driving, these congestion pricing into these mm-hmm. downtown areas. Now, how is that going to affect the pricing of parking if it costs now $15 for me to drive into Manhattan? Am I going to be okay with then the same amount of uh, same charge I'm going to pay right now for parking? Or am I expecting that to go down or, or go up? Or, or how do you see that changing? Mm. I think two things will happen. So first of all, it, it's always cost uh, a fair amount of money to get in and out of Manhattan. So the people that are driving to Manhattan either are people that, that value convenience you know, to an extreme height or they have to drive to Manhattan. Maybe they're doing deliveries or they've got products or they've got other things that 
that uh, need to drive them into the city. So it, it, it's been expensive to get across bridges and tunnels for quite a long time. So we, we don't think the congestion pricing will change it uh, that much. Um, that said, we do think parking operators will start looking at how do they transform their facilities for other uses. So maybe they don't take as many people that are driving in from Connecticut. Maybe they offer their space up as staging space for Uber vehicles, or maybe they offer it up to as space for people to store uh, and, and do package pickup and delivery or things like that. So, um, you know, we, we've seen a large trend where uh, a lot of operators are really starting to invest heavily in preparing themselves for that. And that's, that's part of what we do at our company as well as help operators prepare for that world uh, and make sure that their facilities not only, you know, can handle the daily commuter, but can also be used by all of these other people, whether it's car share, ride share, um, you know, micro mobility, scooters, bikes, that sort of thing. We're speaking with Dan Rorty, the president and CEO of Arrive, uh, all about parking and parking prices. And I, I, I think, Dan, that I, I've, the next assault on congestion in cities is not going to be the congestion pricing, but charges of outrageous proportions on parking. It, it's one thing to charge me 10 or $15 to drive into a downtown area, but it's another thing to charge uh, me $100 to, to park in one of those areas. If I can't park, then I'm obviously less apt to drive. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's an interesting double-edged sword for cities because obviously they want people to come to their downtowns. They want activity. They want economic activity. They want people in their restaurants and going to their shows and events. So so I, I don't think people are going to go uh, so crazy to the extremes of, uh, you know, charging $100 when it used to be 10 or 20 bucks. But what I do think is cities will seek solutions um to e even if they need to reclaim curb space uh, for these other, you know, these other use cases like bike lanes and transit and so forth, I think you'll start to see cities launch, uh, you know, for their payment apps, for example, they might offer you a solution where you can choose between on and off street lots all through the same convenient app. Uh, and so we work with some several partners in that domain where we're working to build city apps that provide the convenience of if you happen to find a street space on your way to your destination, great, you can pay with it through the app. Uh, or if you can't, for some reason, we can direct you to a nearby off-street lot. And if you're if you're a consumer, you can make that choice. So if you if you value convenience highly and you want to park right next to the stadium or right next to the, you know, the exciting restaurant, you might have to pay more. That's a reality. But if you don't want to do that, we can help you find uh, cheaper parking um, that's still convenient enough for your use case. Well, I love the apps. I the first app, and I can't remember the name of it that I ever used that helped me park was a night when we were driving into downtown Denver to see a play that we were already running late for. It was Christmas time, and everyone was downtown on a weeknight, uh, so just didn't expect so many people to be out. But all all these things were going on, and uh, and uh, we drove in. Luckily, we thought, let's let's find an app. Let's <laughs> we found some app. They gave us a parking spot. We could pay for it on there, uh, yep. you know, ten bucks for for the lot. So we found the cheapest one that we could find and, and ran over to the theater and made it. And it was so great. But I ha but I have to say, I don't usually have a problem parking here in Denver. It hasn't happened here yet where I feel like I'm not finding some space on the street. Now I may spend a lot of time more time than I would like to looking for a spot because I'm willing to, to spend the time to save the money. But having the app, having that intelligence um, about what's available and how much it costs and things like that, that that's great. That can only make things better. Yeah, ho hopefully you're using one of our apps. I that's, exactly, so. that's exactly yeah. what we do. Um, and, and, it's, and it's going to get even better. So we're working on recommendation engines, for example, that, that can already know how congested the streets are and whether it's even worth your time to drive around mm -hmm. uh, to find a street space. And, and we're getting smarter and smarter. There's a lot more data that's available, not only that we can create, but through partners. And so if you fast forward a few years, uh, we think the use case is you're, you're going to get into your vehicle and ideally uh, through one of our partnerships with automakers like uh, General Motors and, and Fiat Chrysler and others, um, your car, you'll tell your car where you want to go, or maybe you're using Alexa in your car. You'll say, hey, I'm going downtown to this restaurant, and we'll come back to you and say, you know what, street parking is really bad right now. Uh, if you want to save time, go right to this lot. It's right near your destination, and it's 10 bucks. Uh, and sometimes we might come back and say, you know what, street parking is great right now. We recommend uh, take take a left turn after you get to your destination, and you should find parking right there. Nice. Uh, that that's the world we want to live in, and and uh, I think that'll be good for everybody. And and again, if even if people choose to take other forms of transportation, those vehicles have to go park somewhere too, because not everybody's uh, you know driving around all the time. Uh, there's there's peaks and valleys throughout the day. Uh, 
those vehicles need to go stage somewhere. They need to go rest somewhere. Uh, and, and drivers, even Uber drivers, need to take breaks and go to restaurants. So all of this technology will serve everybody pretty well, even, even if uh, some people uh, choose not to drive their personal cars. We're speaking with Dan Rorty, the president and COO of Arrive, all about parking and parking issues. Uh, we talked on this show, Dan, uh, at least a year or so ago. There were a couple of guys from Boulder up at uh, University of Colorado who developed an app that would connect private people with a space either at their home or at their office with someone who needs a space. So let's say somebody's going to the CU game and they need a they, they somebody has a house that's right near the stadium and they have the front yard that you could park at. They were basically mm-hmm. hooking them up. It was like an Airbnb for parking. Uh, uh, yep. d- how does that affect traditional parking, if at all? It's an opportunity. Um, it, we, we think it's a great idea. It's, it's, it's a really good opportunity because there is a lot of unused parking spaces that are owned privately and whether it's apartment buildings or condo buildings or whatever. Um, and so that could add to available capacity, you know, while, while capacity is going away and, on curbs and places like that. So it's a great idea. Uh, as, as, a, as a company trying to run a system like that, it's very hard to have a high customer uh, trust and, and high satisfaction. Um, Airbnb is obviously uh, works because it's incredibly personal. It's incredibly uh, like like it has to work. You're not going to go into someone's home if there aren't high quality ratings and if they don't treat you well and and live up to the expectations. Parking's a little trickier. It's it's you know you might list your space for sale uh, because you think you're going to work every day and then you get sick uh, and then suddenly uh, you know you, your car's in the way when someone comes to use it uh, and they get mad. So yeah. it's a little harder operationally versus relying on, on traditional parking garages and professional parking garages. But it is an opportunity. And I, th- I think in a lot of cities, particularly cities like New York, uh, where there just literally isn't enough space to put all the cars, um, that's where it probably has the highest degree of applicability because uh, it's it's in such high demand. I would say in cities like Denver, you know, maybe for a CU game, it could make a lot of sense. But, you know, for everyday parking, as you already referenced, uh, you know, it, there's a, there's always options for you. So I'm interested, Dan, how important are parking tickets for cities in terms of a source of revenue and giving out those tickets? It's a big source of revenue. Um, you can go city by city and, and, and see that it, you know, oftentimes can add up to hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue wow. for cities. Uh, and, uh, you know, as again, as they seek solutions to remove parking spaces for bike lanes or delivery zones or things like that, um, they, they need to come up with offsets. So, for example, in Chicago, which is my home market, um, they are now charging for loading zones. They didn't used to do that. And so as one way, you know, they want to give more space to, for loading zones because they want the Amazon delivery trucks and the DoorDash drivers and all the other people that are running around providing conveniences for people. Uh, they want them to be able to do their business. But at the same time, they have to give them curb space, which costs them money. Mm-hmm. So they start to charge for loading zones. Uh, and so I think you'll see that in, in a lot more cities as well. Uh, as as they give up revenue from parking tickets and enforcement and things like that, the expectation is that they get it back uh, from other forms of, of taxes or fees that they that they apply in other ways. What I think some cities like Denver, we're losing some of our street parking for those issues that you're talking about, bike lanes and delivery lanes. And there are a couple of new high rises here in Denver that are including parking as part of the design of the structure, not just a few floors underground but maybe five or even 10 stories above ground of just parking. And then the rest of the building is sitting on top of that. You must see that as a win for promoting parking. For sure. And, and, and what a lot of the smarter developers are doing are, are, are actually building services right into that parking structure. So it becomes suddenly a destination. So what was what used to be a dingy garage is suddenly a place you drop off your car and then the coffee shop is there nice. and the, you know, the quick serve restaurants are there and maybe the dry cleaner is there and the other services. And in that in that vein, it makes it easier and more convenient, not just, you know, to, not just a place to dump your car. We're speaking with Dan Rorty. He is the president and COO of Arrive. Dan, what is the future of parking? We've seen some private lots. We've talked on this show about uh, private lots that have a reservation system that will hold the space for you. Uh, you can prepay for some that actually there's a robot there holding the space until you arrive and get into that space. Where is the next innovation coming for parking? We, we think the future is, is end-to-end seamless parking. So uh, as I mentioned before, bringing a lot of intelligence to when you're planning your trip or starting your trip. So you, you get in your car, you say, hey, Alexa, I'm going to 
uh, downtown Denver. Maybe you give the address. Your navigation automatically guides you there. Maybe maybe it uses Waze or uses something like that that's very convenient. Uh, and it takes parking out of the equation. You don't drive around anymore. It tells you what to do and where to go. And then when you get there, the gate just magically opens and payment happens with your account on file. That's the experience that I think will uh, make people's lives easier. Uh, and that's the experience that will that will kind of have people enjoy going downtown again, right? If if you know, we we like to see parking as kind of the first and last impression of uh, just about anything you do, uh, and it and it should be easy. So if if you're going to a game, if you're going to a show, if you're going uh, to work, or you're going to a restaurant. The, the last thing you want to do is remember how long it took you to find a parking spot, uh -huh. or whether or not you whether or not you got you felt you got ripped off by the by the by the parking attendant or something like that. Um, what you want is to to know what you're getting into, know that it's safe, know that it's easy, and that's that's what we focus on is and trying of to make course, it as easy as possible. When it's all in the system like that, you'll never never forget where you parked either. So always exactly that too. exactly. All right, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Dan Rorty, the president and CEO of Arrive. Thanks so much for being here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. No problem. Have a great day. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I really struggled and where I was maybe to find a parking spot. You know, here, the last time was just recently was uh, at the Denver Natural History Museum, the Nature and Science sure, Museum. yeah. Because that place gets very crowded. Or the zoo well, as well. They share a parking lot. And they share lot. that parking lot, yeah. So on days when both are busy, that's actually the worst time I ever have parking. Especially so. when they have kids that show up mm. at the zoo because then they have the buses, the buses and they have the bus yeah. loads of people and then they have to park the buses across <laughs> a bunch of spaces. And Yeah, if you knew there was a parking spot available somewhere near the zoo and, and there was intelligence and an app to tell you that, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, the rest of the time downtown, I don't know. I've, I Like I said, I don't think I get out enough. Yeah. Just... There's somebody on Twitter that I see often talking about infrastructure issues in Denver, and he 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 has uh, he, he lives in downtown, likes to walk around. So he's really anti-car, and he keeps taking pictures from his office building in downtown Denver of this one. And that's why I was asking Dan the question uh, about this building, and it has about at least eight if not ten stories of just parking mm -hmm. and then the building on top of that. And then there's another one planned uh, down by Coors Field that would be basically the same design, and they were going to put 600 parking spaces wow. in there, which is a lot of parking for a, a building of that size. So obviously they're thinking not just residents, but uh, a lot of people visiting would come in there for yeah. restaurants or whatever, so they'd have the, the space for people to come in. So and, and And all he was talking about is building parking instead of building uh, low-income housing. So it, that that's his take on it. Mm -hmm. But the businesses that are there paying those high rent rates and wanting people to come in from not just downtown but from the suburbs to go to their businesses, they're going to need some place to park. I'm, I'm not going to go to a restaurant downtown and ride the train in. That's just not what I'm no. going to do. I'll just stay out in the suburbs somewhere. Right. It, it's, There's restaurants there, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so... I don't know. It's. I, I think we're going to come to a point where we're going to have the the urban people that are going to be wanting to be in these these densely packed places mm -hmm. where maybe you won't be able to travel in there very easily with a car. You'll have to take a bus or a shuttle or walk or or, or ride a bike. And then there'll be the people that are outside that ring, where you can drive around still fairly easily and find the parking on the street or in their surface lot. It's it, it's really I'm going to think we're going to separate ourselves here in the next ten to fifteen to twenty years. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. I mean, there are some reasons you'll always have to go somewhere and park, but that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that he said we don't necessarily and aren't yet seeing people just completely pricing people out of their cities like a $100 Not yet. charge. But that will be interesting. That too. will be. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, and obviously he doesn't want to see that, but that's going to be the next assault on getting people to stop driving it in these cities. It makes a ton of sense if you want to stop the driving. Yeah. So I got a note the other day from Emily Zaidman, and she is the senior communications consultant for the West Central Region with Allstate Insurance. And Emily said, with the new major, uh, with the new uh, snow, all the, all the snow that we see here in Colorado, they wanted to share uh, some useful and unique tips they think could help drivers conquer winter-related driving dilemmas. They call this their four hacks to help you conquer winter-related dilemmas on the road. And I want to see if you, Nicole, and you, the audience, agree with these, these four, air quotes, 
hacks. Okay. Number one, de-ice your locks with hand sanitizer. Mm, didn't know that worked. Okay. They say when your car is left out in the cold in the snow, it may be susceptible to having a door lock that is iced over. Now, if you don't have any commercial lock de-icer, like who has that? <laughs> Especially when you're, you know, just getting in your car. Doityourself.com says hand sanitizer could do the trick as it contains alcohol, obviously an ingredient that helps melt ice. Mm -hmm. And to help de-ice the lock, you cover the end of your key with a hand sanitizer inserted into the keyhole, uh, aiming to get as much of that product into the lock as possible. It should help melt the ice and get you back in your car and on the road. And Firestone adds that it's a great way to ensure that you have hand sanitizer with you at all times. That way you're <laughs> using it and you're not promoting uh, germs and getting, uh, and getting sick. Winter illness, yes. Uh, okay. the, the problem with this is I, I don't know anybody who still has a car with a key keyhole. that you put yeah. into the keyhole and then turn the key and then get into the car. Yeah. I, know, I was going to say what. <laughs> Who does one that? Old, it's got to be some old. You're not car driving that's a 1975 Plymouth Fury anymore. <laughs> yeah, there aren't cars with that. You have the key fob, and you just open the door, and you're in. Now the door could maybe be frozen shut, and that only ha happens rarely. Yeah, not too often. And if that's the case, then you get a blowtorch, <laughs> or you don't have enough hand sanitizer to juice it all over yeah, your door. <laughs> a lot of vats of hand sanitizer. And in my yeah. case, I have my hand sanitizer in the car. So right, that doesn't help me at all. Okay, bad hack. We've debunked that hack. Let's move on. What's the next one? Okay, number two. Get your vehicle out of snow with kitty litter. Ah, yes. We always hear this one, yeah. Sometimes there is so much snow or sleet, they say, on the ground that your car might have trouble gaining traction. Did you know you can use kitty litter to get your car moving again? Life Hacker says that spreading some kitty litter directly in front of the tires that you're stuck will depend on if your car is front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. Very few rear-wheel drive cars out there anymore. May help you uh, get your uh, tires going again. So even if you don't have a cat, stock up on some inexpensive kitty litter and keep it in your trunk in case your car gets stuck. Kitty litter is not that inexpensive, people. Really? It's really yeah, not. The you, you five or the 10-pound bag or whatever was like 15 bucks, or well, at least the cat litter that I get. How often, how, how much do you have to replace it? Uh, it depends on <laughs> how much your cat goes. Yeah. My how cat many goes, cats? Yeah, you've yeah, got How many one. cats yeah. you have? I yeah. just have the one. I'm not crazy cat guy. <laughs> we have the one, even though my daughters would like to be crazy cat kids and, and have five or six. Uh, That's just not going to happen no. in my house. We have the one, and, and the one is fine. Um, I've heard that same thing about the kitty mm -hmm. litter, but I know no one of uh, who does this. No one. No, I've never seen it when we've been out. Someone pulls out the kitty litter now. The only time I have kitty litter in my trunk is between the store and my home. That's it. And I don't plan on getting stuck between either spot. Well, again, these are tips that are telling you you'd have to make the effort to do this. Yes. <laughs> and for, what about all the people who are in, in an apartment? Are they just going to keep a bag of kitty litter there? I mean, I guess. I don't know. Is this something you is? I, have you considered anything like this? Keeping no. sand or kitty litter in your car? No, I I don't. I have an easy life, Jason. <laughs> I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't have I don't have these problems where I'm getting easy stuck life, all the easy time. life. Exactly. Wait, no, wait, wait I, a minute. That didn't come out right, did it? I. Uh, <laughs> uh, my husband will like that one. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> Okay. I, I, uh, I, I do know. Have the last time we had a pretty bad storm yeah. here. I remember we were out doing the story where people couldn't get up the hills, and we tried to go around neighborhoods. Yeah, and yeah, see yeah. People right. were struggling to get out of parking spots, and we did find a couple people that had to get out shovels and yeah. were getting stuck. So yes, I people have vehicles that aren't great or tires that aren't great. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not seeing this major problem, no. though, with people. I think, as you needing, said, a, foldable, a little foldable shovel in the yeah, back of your car shovel, is probably a yeah. better idea. Than Could get you out of a few okay. pinches, yeah. All right, number three. Prevent windshield wipers from freezing with old socks. Hmm. Now, the thing around here is people put their windshield wipers when they park up. 
Yes. They just take them off the windshield and leave I them see just, that just all the time, straight yeah. up. Now, it says if you're running out, if you're out running errands, putting socks over each windshield wiper blade can help keep them from freezing over and sticking to your windshield while you're away from your car. You could also lift the wiper blades up and away from your windshield as an extra precaution. That's what I see here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that from Lifehacker. So the next time you're getting ready to toss out those old socks, store a few pair in your car just in case. Um, I like to think of my cars as having a personality. I, I think it's almost like part alive, right? Don't most people think their car is part alive, yes, that it has we, its we own do. its own essence, if we you will? Almost them, a, I assign personalities to the other vehicles on the road, right. too. You know? <laughs> and probably nicknames of the drivers as well. Um, I, I think most other drivers do, too. But what I don't want to do is embarrass my car in that way. <laughs> I don't think my car would appreciate uh. it sitting in a parking lot with socks on the wipers. Other cars in the lot would just be laughing at it. Yes. Wouldn't they? I, I think so. Depending on the sock. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Do you go with the dress sock, I, the I tube dress, sock? I don't know. I mean, you'd need a longer sock, I would think. Yeah, you can't go with those ankle size socks, oh, no. can you? No. You can't. What if you get a big full, uh, one of those wool jobbies? A big, that, a big you know, wool. The big thick wool ones. How about a ski sock? Those are a little bit. What about pantyhose? Then it's robbing the place. <laughs> then the this socks. Could be, this could be a company, though. Just uh, do people just make like windshield wiper socks out there? I I don't know. That maybe maybe you have should Google that. Yeah. I don't. I think I've got. Something I think here. maybe we have an idea yeah. here. We will take ten percent right. of all profits uh, for that business idea. The window, Some fun yeah, the designs. windshield wiper yeah. sock company. <laughs> Uh, but those wind, the, the, wouldn't the socks just get also covered in, in ice and snow? And, and if there was any moisture there, wouldn't they freeze oh, yeah. to? And then you have uh, wool or cotton or whatever stuck to your windshield, and you have to wait for the defroster to melt it off? No. No, this doesn't right? seem like a good idea. You're up Snow Creek with a sock, I guess, as a paddle. <laughs> That's where you'll be with that one. All right, lastly, Last number four. Hack. Cover your side mirrors with plastic bags to prevent frost buildup. Again, I think you're into the same psychological hazing of your car with the plastic (laughs) bags on your... Uh, Keeping plastic grocery store or food bags in your glove compartment may help you keep your side mirrors from freezing, says BobVila.com. If you're out in freezing temperatures, especially if accompanied by rain or snow, cover each mirror with a bag to help keep the elements from icing over your mirrors. This could help save you time and effort when it comes to scraping them clean. I doubt it. (laughs) How do you get a frozen plastic bag off of your side mirror? Yeah, see, this is the, the uh, what if the snow's still falling? I don't know. I haven't You're, lived, I've lived here in New Mexico and California. I've, I don't, some places maybe extreme enough climates where the freezing air yeah. is bad enough to ice over mirrors. And is that, I, no, I it's that's not, a I don't thing? Think it's a, I don't, no. okay. Maybe it is in other places. Maybe. Maybe you're going to walk around with those half gallon size pumpers of the, uh, uh, hand sanitizer, and then you're just squirting it all over your car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe you just fill up the reservoir where you usually put your windshield wiper fluid with the hand sanitizer, and you can sanitize your car and get you out of an icy jam at the same there you time. Go. And then where do you put the bags when you get back in your car? If they're all and and the, and the icy oh, no, socks. I hate that. <laughs> We're just gonna leave them on the floorboard. Bag for the bags and the. And then they gotta start. If you don't wipe them clean, you know, if you don't get your socks Uh, clean and dry, they're gonna start smelling in your car, like a locker room. No, I think right. Yeah. Or worse. (sighs) Yeah, and then you're gonna throw them out. The next time you need the sock, it's not there. It's just, it's just a hassle. Again, those were the four (laughs) hacks to help you conquer winter-related dilemmas on the road by Allstate Insurance. All right. Thank you, Allstate. If anyone else has some other ideas, we'll oh, yeah, there, yeah, Yeah, that number, 303-832-0217 for other uh, icy hacks, <laughs> if you have such. Uh, thanks again to uh, you for filling. I th- Joseph, oh. I think, is supposed to be in next week, is I think. He? Okay. I think, but, you know, you never know with him. Well, we'll see. He might show up. He might not. You never know. And, you know, I think well, you know audience, I'm always here. Well, I, you know, the audience, I, 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 call in, 
uh, well, what is my number? 303-832-0217. Let's do a vote. Get the right number, and let's see what people think. Yeah, Yeah. Nicole or or Joseph. (laughs) Give us some, yeah, that's all you have to say. Nicole or Joseph. Mm -hmm. Boom, and it's done. Enter Jay. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again, uh, Nicole, for filling in. Uh, Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I am Jason Liver, the traffic guy. And I have been your lovely fill-in host here. (laughs) Lovely and grateful. Yes, the lovely and grateful Nicole Brady, the fill-in host. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.